Welcome, my brothers and sisters, in Jesus' name. Now get ready for some manna for today. Here is your Bible teacher, Frederick Hall. Hey, good evening, my brothers and sisters of Messiah. This is your brother, Frederick, coming to you from an undisclosed place in my studios in Broken Arrow. And don't worry, it's, it's not disclosed because, you know, we haven't got to that time in the life that we're going to have to do this one day. But anyway, I wanna, I'm trying something new. I enjoy Facebook, but I kind of got discouraged from seeing other people who've been on there about as long as I have or a little bit longer. And they got like 900 viewers and stuff. And I get maybe like 14, 15, 80, 90. Every go so often to get a few quotes and comments. And I have to ask them for your forgiveness because I, I kind of got discouraged and kind of got upset. Guess what? That makes me a human being. Hmm, go figure. Anyway, so I started contemplating how can I reach an audience, a far more audience than Facebook. I get to do Twitter and some other accounts, YouTube. And I can even with this new program, I got this microphone and this new uh, uh, recording program that I'm just falling in love with. I just have to scramble my brains around enough to figure out how to do it. So this is my first testing. So I, please have uh, patience with me. But anyway, this is what I'm going to start doing. I, I, I know that if one person, just one single person, truly gets blessed and gets a revelation of what I'm explaining to you, the scriptures from the Hebrew and the Greek text, and it changes your life and you get a revelation, I'm happy for that. I'm blessed. And I need to start having that attitude doing that. Down the road, I'll start getting more followers. But you know the big key to all this is, guys, you sharing the post. Okay? I really don't think I'm going to be Facebook face anymore. I'm going to do this audio because I have the capability to to, to to interludes to my program and music at the end. Where in the old way, I had to hold my phone up to the speaker to a CD player and play it and then push it and do that. You know what I'm talking about. A lot of you, that's why a lot of you don't do it. But anyway, I just want you to be blessed. I want you to walk in the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. And I just, I just want to bless you this day. I want to encourage you. There will be times I will exhort you, encourage you, and there will be times when I'm going to have to set the record straight. Now, that doesn't mean I have everything and all the answers. Sorry to disappoint you. There ain't one person on this earth and all your big favorite gospel teachers and evangelists on TVs don't have all the answers. But we do know who does have all the answers, and that is the Holy Spirit. Because he's here on this earth to teach us and to guide us because Jesus went to be heaven with his father on his right hand. So get ready. Get prepared. Buckle your sheep, uh, seat belt. <laughs> Can't even talk. And get ready for some more manna for today. And we'll see you next time. Hey, good evening, it's my brothers and sisters and Messiah. This is your servant, Brother Frederick Cole, to, coming to you from my studio office here in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I trust you're having a great weekend. 
I am, besides the hurts and, and uh, al- uh, not allergies, but, um, oh, what do you call those things in your knees and stuff? Arthritis. Yeah. You know, this is when I wish I was a lot younger. And of course, I know the pray for it. And I've, I know I've get, I put some lotions and stuff on it. And I understand that. But this is not one I want to talk about. I want to talk about a subject that I really don't hear too many ministers talking about. And I want to talk to you about your lost loved ones. I'm going to ask you a question. How come they're not saved now? What's the reasoning why you've been praying for them for months and years and yet you see no results and it seems like they're getting worse and worse and worse. And some of you are out there crying out to the Father and say, Father, I don't understand. I've been praying for them for 15 years and I see no results in their lives. I don't even see them coming close to accepting you. Where am I missing it? Is it something I'm doing wrong? Have you ever thought about that? Well, I want to give you some guidelines that maybe help you see why they're not saved right now. But now, i got to be honest with you. The Father will never go against somebody's will. We all should remember that. And I hate to say this, but the reality is they may never come to know him. I hate to burst your bubble. And I know that you believe with all your heart. And we know what the scripture says about us asking, believing, and we shall receive. But because of that person's will, they may not ever come to him. And you've got to face the reality. They may not know him at all when they die. It breaks our hearts knowing that. But we have to remember, folks, they have a will. And the Father will never, ever, ever go against their wills. Now, he may set up a a lot of, let's say, roadblocks in their lives to try to wake them up to realize what they need to do. But that's one reason why he created human race with a will that they choose right or wrong, that they choose life or death. And that's with all of us, even as Christians. So let me give you eight reasons why they aren't saved. And I'm, and I'm not going to be dogmatic about it. I'm just giving you some kind of hints, okay? Number one, spiritual ignorance. Oh, that's pretty obvious. I think it's in, you can look this up later. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. In other words, they just ignore your lifestyle. They see it, but they just don't want to have nothing to do with it. They see all the bad things happening in the church. Oh, we won't even go there. They see all the backbiting. They see all the Jezebel spirits of pe- what people do in the churches and the church splits that's going on and the, you know, building their own kingdom and people turning and Christian. Oh, I said, not the people in the world, but Christians turning on each other. I mean, if I was 
of the world and I see that, why would I want to join an organization like that? Why would I want to believe in a God when I see all these bad things happen here on earth? Hmm, maybe he doesn't have control over them like they say he does. That's a different subject. Number two, they walk in spiritual darkness. The God of this world has blinded their eyes. It's just like if I'm, I'm sitting in my office right now and if I turn that light off, it's pitch black. And I can't see a blooming thing. And that's how they're walking. That's Romans chapter twelve or chapter 1, verse 21. Number three, they have no feelings. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 19. Okay, no remorse. They have a deprived mind. Number four, no mixture of faith. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Number five, no conviction of sin. John chapter 16, verse 8. And even when I was a Christian and started walking as a prodigal son, I had no convictions of my sins. Oh, I knew better. And I put it way, 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 way back in my mind and my soul. I knew what I was doing was wrong. I consider myself a Hugh Hefner of Christianity. <laughs> because I had a problem. I had a, re- I had a rejection problem because of my childhood. I had to have a love of a woman no matter what I did and I thought if I went to bed with them I would get their acceptance but then that old feeling of being ignored and being rejected always haunted me because of that stronghold in my life thank the good Lord I got set free from that and this coming Monday I'm celebrating 31 years of marriage to the best woman in my life that I've ever known my best friend She taught me what love was all about. Let me get back to this. Number five, they have no conviction of sin. I just talked about that. Number six, they're bondage to demons. Mark chapter one, verse 23. Number seven, and I said it kind of earlier, hurt from people in the church. Okay, so what are the lies that keep these people from accepting Jesus? Well, we kind of all know that because we were there once. You know, I'm a bad person. You know, uh, I, you know, I've done wrong. How could God accept me for all the things that I've done? Well, let's look at Apostle Paul. When was the last time you went and killed somebody? And I imagine there's some of you out there that have done that. Or when's the last time you you had a Christian beat almost beat to death and then thrown in, in prison for their faith? Or they're bound up by too much addiction and they don't think Jesus is going to accept them where they are. We know he does, and we know that he wants to clean them up. So let's look at some setups that God could usually possibly use to get their attention. Number one, a near-death experience. We've all heard the stories, and I don't want to elaborate on this, but we've all heard that kind of testimonies of a family or a personal tragedy, a supernatural vegetation. I've heard Muslims, I've heard of other people in other religions had this happen to them. Let me tell you a story of a man, and, and I'm not really into telling stories of, of what I've done because, you know, to be honest, 
I can make these things up and convince, I can convince you that this was reality in my life and you was swearing down, swearing down, up and down that Brother Frederick is telling the truth and I could be lying to you the whole time and you would never know it. And sadly, there's all ministers out there that's doing that and yet we have no way to verify what they say is true. So that's why me personally, I don't like to tell a lot of stories because I just don't do that. But I do know of a man who was a great minister, evangelist, and he was uh, his whole life. And he had an 18-year-old daughter that was living, you know, living the good life, the parties, the beers, alcohol, the drugs. And he started praying for her for several years. Oh, Father, save her, Father. Oh, I just plead the blood of Jesus over her. Oh, Father, please, 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 please. You know, I just, I just, you know, I don't want her to be lost. Well, he, after a, for, for a while, he didn't see any results. And he couldn't understand that. And one day he got in prayer and the Holy Spirit said this to him. And I know the man personally. He's no longer on this earth, but I know him personally. And he said, the Holy Spirit spoke up to him and says, the way you're praying for her is not working on her. You need to pray another way. He said, well, what other way is there? He said, well, first of all, you need to take ask her ministering angel to go forth and shake her up to the core that will cause her to come to know Jesus in any way and manner that this angel could do. So, I think it was like a month later, she had been to a party, she came home, was very quiet, she was totally zonked, you know, she was loaded, and she sat down, changed her clothes, got her pajamas on, as soon as she got her pajamas on, sat on her bed, all of a sudden, this nine-foot male angel stood in front of her, and let me set something straight right now, I said, a male angel, for you Christians out there that think there are female angels, and you've seen them? I'm here to tell you by the authority of the word of Yahweh, Yahuwah, that wasn't a ministering angel because in the Old Testament and even the New Testament, anytime you look up the word angels in the Hebrew and Greek, it always, always, always refers to the masculine form. And if you don't know what the word masculine means, it means a male. So there's no female angels in heaven. So anyway, he looked at her and says, how's this life treating you? And she was like dumbfounded and her mouth was wide open. And instantly she was totally delivered from the alcohol, sober. And it surprised her and shocked her so much that she fell on her face and started asking Jesus to be her Lord in life. She had a dramatic encounter with a supernatural visitation by this angel that shook her to the very core of life got saved born again spirit filled later down her life she started working with her dad traveled all the world and made a difference in the kingdom of heaven unfortunately not too long ago she passed away with cancer anyway amazing miracles it has to be a convicting message a personal witness or a personal testimony 
So we know in, according to Matthew chapter Matthew chapter 12 verse 29 that Jesus talks Jesus talks about the strong man that has to be bound first in that person's life. Okay? Now listen. John chapter 6 verse 14 tells that Jesus said that men have to be drawn by his father by the spirit. They have to be drawn. Okay? Now I could get into how churches do it and you know closing your eyes, bowing your head and say it just real solemnly if you want Jesus in your life, please raise your hand. I would love to respond to that more, but I don't have the time. I'm just trying to get you to understand why these people, your loved ones are not saved. And I'm going to leave you with this and I'll close. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 31, Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 15 through 16. And here's what basically what it says. You go look it up and read it for yourself. And this is how I, by the Holy Spirit, when I sense him speaking to me about a grandmother, even a mother, because you know how women are so close and bonded to their children that men don't have that. And this is why I usually speak to the mothers. And I'll prophesy it. And I'll read that chapter, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31, verses 15 through 16. And it says, A voice was heard out of a, 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 a Ramal. Rachel is weeping. And basically the Lord tells her, the prophet tells her, No longer weep because your children are far off in the land of the enemy. And he says, The Lord is saying to you, They shall come back unto their own borders again. So those who are out there, this is your promise from the Father. They will return unto their own borders. Time just goes too fast. But read that for yourself. But like I said, every single human being has a will. And the Father will never, ever trespass on that person's will. And sadly, if they choose to walk of the world and walk in darkness for the rest of their lives, that's their choice. But you keep praying for them. You keep speaking the blood of Jesus over them. You keep asking the asking their angels to show up in their lives and scare the pajimis out of them. You keep doing that. Don't give up on them. Amen? Amen. Well, I just wanted to share you this real quick on this podcast. I hope you get a lot out of it. I'm excited about my new program on the Now Network starting in March, the first Wednesday of March. I'll give you an exact more date later on. 30-minute teaching of Manna for Today. I'm so excited about this. I'm climbing up the ladder. But anyway, again, this is your humble servant, Brother Frederick Hull, for Manna for Today. Have a blessed weekend. We'll see you next time. Hey, good evening, my brothers and sisters and Messiah. This is your servant, Brother Frederick Cole, coming to you from my studio office here in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I trust you're having a great weekend. I am. Besides the hurts and, and uh, al- uh, not allergies, but, um, oh, what do you call those things in your knees and stuff? Arthritis, yeah. You know? This is when I wish I was a lot younger. And of course, I know the pray for it. And I've, I know I've get, I put some lotions and stuff on it. And I understand that. But this is not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about a subject that I really don't hear too many ministers talking about. 
And I want to talk to you about your lost loved ones. I'm going to ask you a question. How come they're not saved now? What's the reasoning why you've been praying for them for months and years and yet you see no results and it seems like they're getting worse and worse and worse. And some of you are out there crying out to the Father and say, Father, I don't understand. I've been praying for them for 15 years and I see no results in their lives. I don't even see them coming close to accepting you. Where am I missing it? Is it something I'm doing wrong? Have you ever thought about that? Well, I want to give you some guidelines that that maybe help you see why they're not saved right now. But now, I got to be honest with you. The Father will never go against somebody's will. We all should remember that. And I hate to say this, but the reality is they may never come to know him. I hate to burst your bubble. And I know that you're believing with all your heart. And we know what the scripture says about us asking and believing and we shall receive. But because of that person's will, they may not ever come to him. And you've got to face reality. They may not know him at all when they die. It breaks our hearts knowing that. But we have to remember, folks, they have a will. And the Father will never, ever, ever go against their wills. Now, He may set up a, a lot of, let's say, roadblocks in their lives to try to wake them up to realize what they need to do. But that's one reason why He created the human race with a will that they choose right or wrong, that they choose life or death. And that's with all of us, even as Christians. So, let me give you eight reasons why they aren't saved. And I'm and I'm not going to be dogmatic about it. I'm just giving you some kind of hints, okay? Number one, spiritual ignorance. Oh, that's pretty obvious. I think it's in, you can look this up later. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. In other words, they just ignore your lifestyle. They see it, but they just don't want to have nothing to do with it. They see all the bad things happening in the church. Oh, we won't even go there. They see all the backbiting. They see all the Jezebel spirits of pe- what people do in the churches and the church splits that's going on and the, you know, building their own kingdom and people turning and Christian. Oh, I said, not the people in the world, but Christians turning on each other. I mean, if I was of the world and I see that, why would I want to join an organization like that? Why would I want to believe in a God? When I see all these bad things happen here on earth, hmm, maybe he doesn't have control over them like they say he does. That's a different subject. Number two, they walk in spiritual darkness. The God of this world has blinded their eyes. It's just like if I'm I'm sitting in my office right now and if I turn that light off, 
it's pitch black and I can't see a blooming thing. And that's how they're walking. That's Romans chapter 12 or chapter 1 verse 21. Number 3, they have no feelings. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 19. Okay? No remorse. They have a deprived mind. Number 4, no mixture of faith. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2. Number 5, no conviction of sin. John chapter 16 verse 8. And even when I was a Christian and started walking as a prodigal son, I had no convictions of my sins. Oh, I knew better. And I put it way, 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 way back in my mind and my soul. I knew what I was doing was wrong. I consider myself a Hugh Hefner of Christianity <laughs> because I had a problem. I had a, re- I had a rejection problem because of my childhood. I had to have a love of a woman no matter what I did. And I thought if I went to bed with them, I would get their acceptance. But then that old feeling of not being ignored and being rejected always haunted me because of that stronghold in my life. Thank the good Lord I got set free from that. And this coming Monday, I'm celebrating 31 years of marriage to the best woman in my life that I've ever known. My best friend, she taught me what love was all about. Let me get back to this. Number five, they have no conviction of sin. I just talked about that. Number six, they're bondage to demons. Mark chapter one, verse 23. Number seven, and I said it kind of earlier, hurt from people in the church. Okay. So what are the lies that keep these people from accepting Jesus? Well, we kind of all know that because we were there once. You know, I'm a bad person. You know, uh, I, you know, I've done wrong. How could God accept me for all the things that I've done? Well, let's look at Apostle Paul. When was the last time you went and killed somebody? And I imagine there's some of you out there that have done that. Or when's the last time you you had a Christian beat almost beat to death and then thrown in, in prison for their faith? Or they're bound up by too much addiction and they don't think Jesus is going to accept them where they are. But we know he does, and we know that he wants to clean them up. So let's look at some setups that God could usually possibly use to get their attention. Number one, a near-death experience. We've all heard the stories. And I don't want to elaborate on this, but we've all heard that kind of testimonies of a family or a personal tragedy, a supernatural visitation. I've heard Muslims, I've heard other people in other religions had this happen to them. Let me tell you a story of a man, and and I'm not really into telling stories of, of what I've done because, you know, to be honest, I can make these things up and convince, I can convince you that this was reality in my life and you was swearing down, swearing down, up and down that Brother Frederick's telling the truth and I could be lying to you the whole time and you would never know it. And sadly, there's all ministers out there that's doing that and yet we have no way to verify what they say is true. 
So that's why me personally, I don't like to tell a lot of stories because I just don't do that. But I do know of a man who was a great minister, evangelist, and he was uh, his whole life. And he had an 18-year-old daughter that was living, you know, living the good life, the parties, the beers, alcohol, the drugs. And he started praying for her for several years. Oh, Father, save her, Father. Oh, I just plead the blood of Jesus over her. Oh, Father, please, 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 please. You know, I just, I just, you know, I don't want her to be lost. Well, he, after a, for, for a while, he didn't see any results. And he couldn't understand that. And one day he got in prayer and the Holy Spirit said this to him. And I know the man personally. He's no longer on this earth, but I know him personally. And he said, the Holy Spirit spoke up to him and says, the way you're praying for her is not working on her. You need to pray another way. He said, well, what other way is there? He said, well, first of all, you need to take ask her ministering angel to go forth and shake her up to the core that will cause her to come to know Jesus in any way and manner that this angel could do. So, I think it was like a month later, she had been to a party, she came home, was very quiet, she was totally zonked, you know, she was loaded, and she sat down, changed her clothes, got her pajamas on, as soon as she got her pajamas on, sat on her bed, all of a sudden, this nine-foot male angel stood in front of her, and let me set something straight right now, I said, a male angel, for you Christians out there that think there are females angels, and you've seen them, I'm here to tell you, by the authority of the word of Yahweh, Yahuwah, that wasn't a ministering angel. Because in the Old Testament, and even the New Testament, anytime you look up the word angels in the Hebrew and Greek, it always, always, always refers to the masculine form. And if you don't know what the word masculine means, it means a male. So there's no female angels in heaven. So anyway, he looked at her and says, how's this life treating you? And she was like dumbfounded and her mouth was wide open. And instantly, she was totally delivered from the alcohol, sober. And it surprised her and shocked her so much that she fell on her face and started asking Jesus to be her Lord in her life. She had a dramatic Encounter with a supernatural visitation by this angel that shook her to the very core of life. Got saved, born again, spirit-filled. Later down her life, she started working with her dad, traveled all the world, and made a difference in the kingdom of heaven. Unfortunately, not too long ago, she passed away with cancer. Anyway, amazing miracles. It has to be a convicting message. A personal witness or a personal testimony. So we know according to Matthew chapter Matthew chapter 12, verse 29, that Jesus talks, Jesus talks about the strong man that has to be bound first in that person's life. Okay? Now listen, John chapter 6, verse 14 tells that Jesus said that men have to be drawn by his father, by the Spirit. They have to be drawn. Okay? Now, I could get into how churches do it and, you know, 
closing your eyes, bowing your head, and say it just real solemnly, if you want Jesus in your life, please raise your hand. I would love to respond to that more, but I don't have the time. I'm just trying to get you to understand why these people, your loved ones are not saved. And I'm going to leave you with this and I'll close. Jeremiah chapter 31, Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 15 through 16. And here's basically what it says. You go look it up and read it for yourself. And this is how I, by the Holy Spirit, when I sense him speaking to me about a grandmother, even a mother, because you know how women are so close and bonded to their children, the men don't have that. And this is why I usually speak to the mothers. And I'll prophesy it. And I'll read that chapter, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31, verses 15 through 16. And it says, A voice was heard out of Ramal. Rachel is weeping. And basically the Lord tells her, the prophet tells her, No longer weep because your children are far off in the land of the enemy. And he says, The Lord is saying to you, they shall come back unto their own borders again. So those who are out there, this is your promise from the Father. They will return unto their own borders. Time just goes too fast. But read that for yourself. But like I said, every single human being has a will. And the Father will never, ever trespass on that person's will. And sadly, if they choose to walk of the world and walk in darkness for the rest of their lives, that's their choice. But you keep praying for them. You keep speaking the blood of Jesus over them. You keep asking asking their angels to show up in their lives and scare the pajimis out of them. You keep doing that. Don't give up on them. Amen? Amen. Well, I just wanted to share you this real quick on this podcast. I hope you get a lot out of it. I'm excited about my new program on the Now Network starting in March, the first Wednesday of March. I'll give you an exact more date later on. 30-minute teaching of Manna for Today. I'm so excited about this. I'm climbing up the ladder. But anyway, again, this is your humble servant, Brother Frederick Cole, for Manna for Today. Have a blessed weekend. We'll see you next time.